This is your Palaces Call. You're listening to Theatrical Thoughts. I'm Emily Wyra. And I'm Jessica Fight. And today we are joined by Felicia Shulman. Felicia is a child guardian on Broadway. Felicia, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. I'm spending my summer up in the Berkshires with my mom out of the city so there's no stinky garbage everywhere and it's fantastic. That's nice. Yeah. In my house about I'm going into the city on Sunday with a friend and we were just talking about the garbage and the subway smell and it was this whole debate in my house over whether or not the subway smells good. Um, I fully believe that it is a distinct aura and I kind of don't hate it. But I feel like have you been on the subway lately? <laughs> have you been on a subway lately? Yeah, I went, what was it, like two weeks ago? It's a little weird post-pandemic. <laughs> and they're like relatively clean compared to pre-pandemic because like people still wear their masks. They're not really eating on the train. So it's like nice difference, but the street's not so good. No, the street's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> So as you know, we love to open our show with our 60 second life story segment. So I'm going to start my very official iPhone stopwatch um, and you'll give us your whole life. <clears throat> you ready for this? Okay, dokes. Let's try it. All right, here we go. Okay. So I was born in Englewood, New Jersey, and I moved to Livingston, New Jersey when I was four. Woohoo. Um, Fun fact, my sister had chicken pox when we got to Livingston and I had chicken pox right before we moved. So my mom had a really fun move, my mom and dad. Um, so I grew up in Livingston. I stayed there through high school. I went to Syracuse University for my freshman year of college and I studied early childhood special education. From Syracuse, I then transferred to NYU where I studied early childhood education with a minor in sign language and a minor in child psychology. Woohoo, again. And then I was a teacher for a bunch of years. I taught nursery school at the JCC on the Upper West Side. Then I was a kindergarten teacher in two public schools on the Upper East Side until I was done teaching kindergarten and not doing what I believed in. And I ended up as a child guarding the paper mill, which led me to Broadway and 60 seconds. That was insane. That was like that was so good. Dot. <laughs> Mad props to you. That was really That was really good. I thought, I was like, oh my God, I didn't talk about like my childhood, but that's okay. We can talk about that later. We can talk about it later. Let's talk about, let's talk about it now. So growing up, you grew up in Jersey. So I guess I did. how did you stumble into like wanting to work with kids? How did that sort of become a thing? Um, I guess it might be from like me growing up with a lot of little cousins around and I guess there's not that much to do in Livingston per se. So I did a lot of babysitting. The second I turned 10 years old, my mom signed me up for, a, for like a first aid class through the Red Cross, the local YMCA. And it was a babysitting course. And she was like, I won't let you babysit unless you get a babysitting certificate. So I was officially a babysitter at 10 years old. I don't know if I would trust my children with a 10 year old, but I was certified as a babysitter. And I did a lot of mothers helping and babysitting and then like, I just was always a kid person. Like I'm gonna walk in a room and kids know like I am the fun person and like they just gravitate towards me. I'm also like a big kid in like a body. My family called me like the oldest 12 year old they know. Um, so that's just how I am. And I work somehow really well with children. I get them. I, my first job at the JCC, the parents called me very kiddable. And I was like, I like that word, I'm gonna keep it. 
Um, so yeah, I'm just a kiddable person. And I just was like, okay, this is how I want to live my life. I wanted to be a neonatologist. And then I was like, nope, I don't want to do all that science and stay in school till I'm 50. So I was like, what's another route? And I was like, teachers, they made a big impact on my life. So I went that route and I was like, I'm going to be a special ed teacher. So I studied at Syracuse my freshman year and I learned a lot about special ed. And then I transferred to NYU and I learned a bit more, <laughs> uh, not to knock NYU, but I definitely learned more in my year at Syracuse than I did in my other three years at NYU, special ed wise. I learned a lot of other things. I'm very well-rounded um, per se, but I then I went, went to Bank Street and got my graduate degree at, um, in more special ed work. So I really like, dug myself deep into learning about special ed. And then I got my first job in a public school after like working at an inclusion school in at the JCC. And I was like, there's no special ed jobs. I'm just gonna be a gen ed teacher. But when you're teaching kindergarten, it's like all the kids have whatever need they need. There's one grown up and 25, four and five year olds. So it's pretty much, you're getting like a gamble of what kind of kids you get. So all of my years I've, with thrown a handful of kids with special needs and ended up helping them get the right services that they needed. But I was glad I had my degree in that. Um, and then what was the question again? Help me remember, please. <laughs> Talking about how you got into, you know, working with kids and whatnot, but all right. I'm curious about like yeah. I'm in school. So you had a bunch of um, bunch of minors and as you said, you're yeah. surrounded because of your education. <laughs> So yeah. Uh, what sort of things did you learn that were particularly interesting? Like, were there classes that you took that really stood out to you during your time at NYU or Syracuse? Um, yeah. So I loved school. Like I would go to school every single day for the rest of my life if I could, if there weren't papers and tests. Like I love learning. I think learning is the fun part. And like, why do you need a test? Like I can prove to you that I know it like other ways, but um, so I loved learning. I think my favorite class at Syracuse was like my first special ed class. Like me and my best friend, Sarah at the time were like, we're gonna sit front row center. And it was like, like 50-ish people. And we're like, we're gonna learn the most we can and like loved it. And we ended up working with someone with special needs like day five of our program. And I was partnered with this, like I guess a teenager, maybe she was in her early twenties. Um, who had Down syndrome. And that was like very impactful for me. Um, and like going ice skating with someone who really doesn't have fine, like gross motor skills. Like she could walk, but like wobble and then try to figure out how to figure skate with her. So like, that was just like, you're like thrown in on the job and you're like, okay, now you're going to learn and figure this out. And I love that. Um, and then I would say at NYU, my favorite class was a class called the science of happiness. And it was in a program, it, so there's a psychology program, I think, and then within that, there's something called the Child and Child Mental Health Studies, I think it is, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Studies, um, and they had a class called the Science of Happiness, and it was so fun learning about how and why people are happy, and I would say I'm a relatively happy person, so it was fun to learn about why I'm happy and how I can help others be happy and how to deal with people who aren't happy and try to make them happy. And the science of it is just fascinating. So I'd say that was my favorite part of school. So cool. Oh my God, <laughs> I wanna take that class. I feel like now I, I wanna go to NYU for the sole purpose of taking that class. 
it was amazing. Like the teacher would be like, okay, today, like, here's a candy, like, like a sucker will help you be happy. Like, like just little things. And you're like, oh my God, no professor's giving out like a hard candy in the middle of class, like score. And then like, then you're like, okay, now I'm going to listen because now I'm happy. And I'm just like, it was just like a cyclical thing of happiness. So that's always so love they're happy. Yeah. So I guess during your college experience, what would you say is the most rewarding part of it? Your whole college experience? I think the most rewarding part was going to school in New York City and like having the experience of an adult while still being a semi-child, like still having help from your family and not having to worry about rent. I was fortunate enough to have to worry about that. And then like still being able to go to school and see shows and go to restaurants and like be treated and have to act like an adult where it like really prepares you for the real world where I would say if I had stayed at Syracuse, that probably wouldn't have been my outcome of knowing how to navigate the city and people the way I do now. So I'd say that's the best part about growing up in the city. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can't wait to get to the city. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really curious. So, you know, you ended up in teaching and then, you know, you stumble into child guardianship, I guess is the term. So yeah. how did you end up at Paper Mill and how did you sort of get into that? So becoming a child guardian is a very difficult thing to do. And out of, it's a unionized job. So as of all the guardians, I'd say there's me plus one other person who, that's not even English. I was the last person like inducted as a guardian. And then I think there's been one other person since I have in like 2018 or 19. Um, and it's very difficult to become a unionized guardian because you need a unionized job to become part of the union, but you are not hired for a union job without being part of the union. So it's like, a double-edged sword of like trying to figure out how to get yourself into this kind of position. And it's hard because there's a growing number of guardians and there's not a growing number of shows like all the time with children. So it's a really difficult profession to like decide to be become part of. Um, but I was very fortunate. My best friend did something called Soul Camp, which is like a grown-up day camp where you like learn how to be mindful and active and all this thing stuff um and she met someone who was a child guardian and she was like hey Felicia I met this girl at soul camp who I think you'd be really good friends with like regardless of her job and she has a really cool job thing that I feel like you'd be really good at um and like there's a ton of people I'm sure who would be really good at this job and everyone I think gets bombarded with people who are like tell me more about being a guardian I'd be really good at that and like at first everyone's like, you can't be a guardian. Like you don't have a theatrical background. And like, I didn't, I had zero background of being backstage at a show. Like I grew up dancing and I grew up going to shows, but I never, minus seventh grade, I was never really in a show. I did my seventh grade production of Guys and Dolls and that's about it. Um, and I was like, how do I like finagle myself into this? Because I don't have the experience that other people will. And it's hard to shadow people and learn about it because there's so many rules of being backstage and rules of if each different company and like management company. Um, but so I met my friend Alana who ended up becoming my girlfriend um, all while becoming a child guardian, which is really wild. So I like messaged her on Instagram and I was like, hey Alana, like, can we go get coffee? Like Marissa, who you met at Soul Camp, like thought we'd be good friends. Um, so we went out for coffee and 
she said she's gotten lots of people message her on Instagram too. And she's like, I can't really respond to everyone and like have time to like have coffee with them. But like, you felt like the right person to like have coffee with. Um, so I met her in March, 2018. And I was teaching at the time and she was working at once on this island. Um, and I was like, oh my God, can I come watch? Like, how, like, how do you do this? And I, I ended up seeing the show the weekend before I ended up actually meeting her. So like I met her for like two seconds, like I texted her, I was like, I'm at the stage, like I'm at the month of silence. And she's like, oh, I'll meet you with the girls after. So I met her for like two seconds. Then we had coffee the next week. Um, but then as we became friendly, she was like, oh, she asked the company manager and the stage manager if I could come back and shadow just so I can like see if this is like something I would actually be interested in all while still teaching. Um, and I was so fortunate that the stage manager who's amazing um Justin was like yeah sure like and they gave me an extra headset and I was able to follow along and like listen to what's happening on the stage manager side and like learn her track and, and Once on this Island was a fairly simple track it's it's also different from many other shows because it was at Circle in the Square so it's not a proscenium stage so um I learned that and I didn't really like learn it as a sub but I just wanted to see like how it went and then that was in the springtime and then that following October I was again teaching and I pulled the worst teacher move ever and left teaching in October um so I was teaching and I had some good old sinus surgery and had complications and my principal was not very happy that I was taking some time off because the doctor told me I needed to and she called me into a meeting and my union rep was like, she could say like, don't come back tomorrow after this meeting. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna find myself a backup should that happen. And I didn't think it actually would happen, but at the same time, I was an untenured teacher and I could have had no job the next day. So I like found, I like looked for things. And at the time, Paper Mill was looking for a guardian for their production of Holiday Inn. And I was like, Alana, like, like the guardian, she's not a guardian. She's like a tutoring. Well, she technically is a guardian. Her name is Christine and she runs a tutoring company who's also in charge of providing guardians for the productions at Paper Mill. So Christine had emailed like all the different guardians was like, hey, we're looking for a guardian. And there wasn't a guardian at that time available who was able to take the job at Paper Mill. And I was like, hey, I can do that. Like, please hire me. Like, it was a simpler show for the most part. It was just two kids. Um, and I was like, on Wednesday, I went into school and I had my little meeting with my principal and I left on Friday afternoon and I was done with teaching. Um, so I left with some kindergartners high and dry, but at the same time, I knew what was best for me was to not be teaching at the moment. Um, and I was finally able to mix all my loves of life into one job. And I learned quickly on the spot really what to do. And I think within like the two weeks or one week I had between leaving teaching and starting at Paper Mill, I went over with the School of Rock Guardians and they showed me what happens backstage there. And I was so lucky to be able to do that. So I was like, okay, this is what happens. And I was also very lucky to have Alana to like help me out and like lead me with like, what do I need to do as a guardian? And what kind of paperwork do I need to do? And all the little intricacies that you learn throughout the job. And I got the job there and it's a unionized job. So the union is really just for Broadway and paper mill, go figure. Um, oh, excuse me. So I joined the job at paper mill and through that job, I was able, excuse me again, um, to join the union. 
So I was like, hey, this isn't the most financially like awesome job, but at the same time, it's gonna give me a future in something that I'm gonna want. So I was able to join the union through working at the paper mill. And that led me to where I am today. Lucky member of the union. So. Incredible. That's <laughs> so hard to get into, but it's so cool. It kind of worked yeah. out so well for you. Yeah, it was wacky. <laughs> so I'm really curious, like you're mentioning sort of like picking up what you got to do. What, what are you doing during the show? Like what kind of, what does your track look like and how does it play into the larger role of the show? That's a great question. So the day, like, like my responsibility is to be the adults supervising the children from the second they enter the theater at the stage door, like they take a bite of their parents at the stage door to making sure they are supervised and taken care of throughout the entire run of the show and then released to the appropriate adults at the end of the show. Um, <clears throat> and my day looks different at the theater versus in rehearsals. Um, so rehearsals are more chaotic, I would say, than a show because it's a longer day and you're learning a track and things are changing. And as a guardian, you need to know what's happening for each of the kids. So right now at Mrs. Doubtfire, I have two kids in the show learning their tracks and I have two understudies who are technically part of the ensemble. So they have their own tracks. They're in two of the numbers. And then as we were preparing Mrs. Doubtfire for Seattle, I also had to learn the role, the track of Lydia, who is the oldest daughter, even though she's played by Annalise, um, who doesn't require a guardian. We didn't know how old the person who was playing the understudy in Seattle would be. And the understudy, her name was Summer, ended up being 16. So the guardian in Seattle who did the show, different laws there was in charge of her too. So I had to have the tracks for all three. So my job as a guardian is like literally write down, like enter and exit from where, when, and like know with which props or whatever it is so that I can make sure I know where the kids are at all times. And I'm with them at every entrance, entrance or exit. Um, if I'm not able to get there because if someone's here and one's here and like a stage manager is aware of the kid well until I get back to them. Um, so I, I'm really like, I, I don't want to cross the boundaries but like a stage manager for the kids per se. Um, I'm definitely no stage manager. They do a lot of other different work but I'm there to make sure the kids are safely and like make sure they get to the dresser on time, make sure they're at hair on time, make sure they're getting their mics at time um, at the right time. So like all the different parts of the day I'm making sure they're in the right place at the right time. And I have a very awesome co-guardian, her name is Crystal, and she's in charge of my understudies at the moment. Um, and she's with them during, because we really left during tech and previews that, or we left during the shutdown at previews, but we are still in rehearsals all day long. So the understudies would sit at the table and the audience with Crystal and she'd be helping them make sure of watching for changes and blocking and making sure the understudies and slash ensemble members um, have their blocking and stuff written down into their scripts while I was backstage with Jake and Avery. So that's my role. <clears throat> it seems like stage management on steroids, honestly. Literally. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, and it, it's, it's funny because like stage managers are part of the actor's equity and we're part of the wardrobe union. And it's tricky because I think that we have a very similar job, but at the same time, it's so different where like a stage manager does know the track, but they know the track of every single like cast member and I'm like in charge of four. So I'm like very lucky on that aspect, but 
we are a great team. I work hand in hand with the stage managers on a daily basis. So kind of looking at your day as a whole, like perhaps even outside of the show, I guess sort of like what's a day in your life when you're working on Doubtfire and you're working on Broadway, sort of how do you get in the right headspace to be ready to go um, to the shows? Um, I would say lots of like sleep, like you need to be on your A game. Um, you wake up in the morning, you have a good breakfast. Um, when we're in rehearsals, their day starts at 10 a.m. So I call the kids before the start times that they're ready to work exactly at our call time. Sorry. Um, so I meet the kids at the stage door or at the rehearsal studios and we go about our day. Um, as a unionized guardian, the kids are not responsible to be watched during lunch. So I have my lunch break. So the parents or another guardian pick up the kids for the lunch break. Oh, the lunch break. Um, and then I collect them back after lunch and then I'm in charge of them until they're um, released for the day. And it depends on what kind, what part of the day it is. Like some, some will go to tutoring, some will be released earlier. It'll be like on the fly, like, oh, she's done an hour early. Can you come pick her up? And if the parent can't, because the, the schedule wasn't that, I'm chilling with them until then. Lots of games, lots of fun. <clears throat> and then at the theater, it's just really making sure that we're doing everything we need to do. Um, uh, when we like, for example, we'll head to the theater, we'll sign in on the signing board, we'll head up to the dressing room, um, plop our stuff and like, the kids are the first ones in our show to go get hair and mics. So they go get hair and mics done. Um, and they like wear their cute little bathrobes. And I have to really think about this because it's been so long. <clears throat> and then we head up and they do their like little makeup. Should it be like some blush? Um, and then they get ready for the show at the dresser. And then I make sure their water bottles are filled up and they use the bathroom and their hands are washed. And before the pandemic, each kid had their own towel and their own hook so that no one's germs cross-contaminated. Um, and then we do the show or we rehearse at the theater sometimes. Um, and then we like run the show and I'm still learning the show at the moment. So I have like my handy dandy clipboard with all of my steps because I'm following all the different tracks. Um, <clears throat> and also because on a day-to-day -day basis, we were still changing things. So I'd write them in as we go. And then that night I'd go home and type them up into the spreadsheet and then send it to the stage manager to print out the next day. So it's just constantly being refreshed. And that I think is the hardest part about being a guardian is all the paperwork and like making sure the kids paperwork is in time because you're the liaison between the families and company management. Um, and I had COVID the last preview that we did. So thank goodness my papers were complete because Crystal jumped in and did the whole show without ever doing it and being backstage. So we got very lucky that our notes were really regimented. So that was great. Um, and then I haven't talked this much. My voice is not used to this. Um, and then at the end of the show, we get out of costume and we make sure the dressing room looks the exact same way it did when we get there. Everything has a place. It's very colorful, very pretty, full of games, full of coloring things. Um, <clears throat> and then we head out, we go up, um, meet the parents at the stage door. Should they sign autographs, which I don't think we'll be doing for a while. Um, but that's what the routine would have been. They, they go around, they sign all the autographs and then they're on their own with their families. But I'm not in charge of at least my kids. Like each guardian will set their own parameters of the rules, but I release the kids to the parents and then the parents watch the autograph line. 
so that should anything happen, it's off of me. Yeah. Well, you kind of already answered my next question. I was going to ask how, like, the most challenging part. So what would you say was your favorite aspect or the most rewarding part of this job? Oh, everything. Like, living, like living my dream. Um, I just think that this is, like, the job I was meant to have. Um, I would say the most fun, though, is, like, I am not an actor. I will never be on a stage. But I think, like, as, like, a first grader, like, it was when I grew up, I will be an actress on Broadway. Um, and I grew up with an uncle being a Broadway director. So I like have lived my life dreaming of being on Broadway. Um, so now I get to live my life on the other side of being an actress. So I get to work with the best of the best of the kids. So yeah, I think it's just like a dream come true of being able to work where I've dreamed of working since I was six years old. And like, seeing how it all develops like you go to see a show and you don't know how much work and energy and changes and people are involved with creating a, a show and it's fantastic to be on the other side and learn all about that and something I was very fortunate was to be part of Doubtfire from its first reading so I was with the kids at the reading and like got to see how that evolved over the two weeks of that and then being asked to come back for the Seattle rehearsals and then being able to fly out to Seattle and be there for opening night and trail the Guardian to see the changes that have been made there and then being able to do it for Broadway and now Broadway round two. So I'm so fortunate to have been like able to really watch the show progress and become the show it is today. Okay, that just warms my heart so much. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. And that's such a cool sort of way to get into it. And I think that it just goes to show so many ways to be involved in this community without having to be on the stage. Yep. It's, it's incredible. And I'm happy that just my whole heart. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, while we're being mushy, I guess we are reopening is looming. Thank goodness. We're almost there. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about getting back to work and getting back to Broadway? Um, hugging my kids like I was sick when we left like I missed our last show and then went back that day we shut down we were in rehearsal and the doctor was like you haven't been to China you haven't been to New Rochelle it's bronchitis like go back to work like here's the antibiotics so I didn't have a fever I was felt fine the next day and I went back to work and like we packed up their stuff and like it was like bye and like everyone just left because like we were panicked like the borders of New York City would close like so unrealistic but like we just kept on hearing these rumors like as we were there and like it was such like a tumultuous like goodbye like no one hugged goodbye it was just like see you in two weeks like stay safe we'll see you soon and like I just cannot wait to squeeze them so tightly um and they've all gotten like bigger and more mature but are still like the amazing kids that they are and we're so fortunate they're able to return and be back at the show because we, we really did form a family in the show. So I just can't wait to be back with everyone. That's amazing. Well, Emily and I are definitely gonna come see it because then we'll get to yes. see Elise also because we had her on recently. Yep, and, and Charity, right? Yes, oh my God. It is just- We're so excited. We're so excited. <laughs> it's so. such a good show too. It's like, you will laugh and you will fully cry and- I cry every single night during the show. Annalise has a song with Rob and it's about a dad's love for their kid and how he will do anything for them. And it is 
so amazing and it will make you cry. But at the same time, you're like laughing. <laughs> and then you're laughing two seconds later at like puppets coming out and dancing and it's, it's so brilliant. So. Oh, that's amazing. Magical. Yeah. I cannot wait. So I guess kind of just wrapping up, if you had to give one piece of advice to your past self, what do you think it would be? Um, to, well, it's tricky. I would say to have learned like backstage work earlier. Like I didn't know there was a whole world of theater behind the stage. So like, I wish that like I danced growing up every day and I wa like, wasn't able to make the commitment to being in school shows and I cannot sing and I cannot memorize lines. Um, but I do wish like I had known, like one of my best friends was with stage manager on like every show in high school. Um, and like he became not best friend, like a good friend, family friend of mine. Um, and yet he became a great PSM up on like Broadway, off Broadway shows. And like, he's made it. And I was like, how come I didn't know about this? Like, how did like everyone else know that there was a thing there? And I like, I would have told myself like, go to school for stage management. Like, that's a really cool thing that you'd be really good at. Um, I guess I would do that over, but I would also tell myself like, don't give up. Like for me, like as I transitioned from a public school teacher, which is a steady job, a great income, like pension and health benefits, like something that grownups have to think about. And to like leave all that to be part of a union that has to, you have to work X amount of hours in order to qualify for healthcare, which I still haven't qualified for after all these months. Um, fingers crossed I will by October. But like all these things to like get to this point. And my mom was like, this is not the job for you. You don't have job security. You're going to go from job to job. And I was like, mom, I'm doing what I love. And my uncle, who's a director, his mom, so it's like, he's like my cousin's uncle, but his mom was always like, you have to become a lawyer or a doctor. And he became an actor and then became a, a, a director and he never gave up and look where he is. He has Tony Awards. So it's like, if he can do it, as his mom said, don't do it. I can say to my mom, hey, look what Bubba Lily said. Like, I'm going to do it too. So that's how I stick it to myself there. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that is the perfect sentiment to end on and absolutely incredible. You're amazing. And <laughs> seriously, thank you. You're incredible. And this has been the coolest perspective to get. Like, thank you so much for taking the time. You're so welcome. Yes. Anytime. Loved having you on. And to connect with Felicia on Instagram, follow at Felicia Danielle, where you can keep up to date on her latest projects with Doubtfire. Make sure to get tickets at Mrs. Doubtfirebroadway.com for when Please. it opens in October. <laughs> Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Thank you. Yay. Thank you guys. That was amazing. It was so good to talk about something I missed so much. Well, we are so excited yeah. to get back to it and to see it. And we hope that our listeners grab their tickets too so that everybody can share this super, super exciting story. And we're so excited. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.